Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Nine. Twelve. Ten. Twenty-eight. Two. Twenty-three. This is Deep State Radio, coming to you direct from our super-secret studio in the third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hello and welcome to another episode of Deep State Radio. I'm your host, David Rothkopf, and it is Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving uh, Eve, for some of you who get these feeds very early, uh, maybe Thanksgiving Day for the rest of you, and you're saying, uh, I want something to listen to rather than my crazy uncle telling me why I should vote for Trump or watching a football <laughs> game or listening to anybody. Uh, I just want I, I want something that's going to be elevating, and you've come to the right place because this Deep State Radio special Thanksgiving episode uh, is going to uh, pursue one of those traditional old Thanksgiving formulas of trying to recount the things in the world we're thankful for. Um, given that we live in the age of Trump and of global chaos, this might be a very short episode, could be the shortest in our history, but I'm going to challenge our guests, Rosa Brooks in Washington, D.C. Happy Thanksgiving, Rosa. Happy Thanksgiving, David. And Ed Luce in Washington, D.C. Let me explain to you Thanksgiving, Ed. It's when people escaped from your country and <laughs> came here uh, and were so happy about it, they decided to eat large native birds to celebrate. <laughs> I, I, I'm, thank you. Uh, yeah. And, and Rosa, who is celebrating, excuse me, and Corey, who is celebrating Thanksgiving uh, Berlin style, which I don't know, but it evokes some really troubling images to me. Um, how, how, how do you say, are you, or are you going to be back home by Thanksgiving? I am going to be at uh, Mildenhall Air Force Base celebrating Thanksgiving with young Captain Shockey, who is stationed there, and his outstanding wife. So, but I object in the strongest possible terms that Britain does not celebrate Thanksgiving um, because Thursday is a regular work day at the IISS, and I am, as you can tell, bitter about that fact. What, what's up with that, Ed? Why don't you celebrate Thanksgiving? I mean, other than that it has nothing to do with England, really, except that they left there. Um, and And it's a great holiday, I would say. Thanksgiving is the best holiday we've got. People just get together. There's no presents. It's not commercialized. They're with their families. It's they talk. They have a good time. Don't don't you the love Macy's Thanksgiving? The parade. Who doesn't want to see the Pillsbury Doughboy floating down Fifth Avenue? Right, and we have a similar equivalent to that in Washington D.C., but we needn't discuss that. Um, uh, <laughs> parade balloon-like president that we have. But Ed, I mean, isn't isn't Thanksgiving one of the reasons you stayed? Um, well, indeed. Well, you you do know that we imported the Thanksgiving menu, starting with the turkey and the cranberries and and pretty much everything, and just called it Christmas dinner 
in England. <laughs> um, um, so we do celebrate Thanksgiving every year on December the 25th. Um, uh, and so there's that. Um, uh, I didn't. I didn't until the other day um, realize that um, there were any other countries that did have Thanksgiving. But that now I realize Canada actually celebrates its variation on Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, I think it's a good idea. I'm all for holidays, particularly ones that are uncommercialized. Um, and I recognize that the fact that Thanksgiving is always late November means that the Christmas commercialization doesn't begin until after that. And in Britain in particular, it begins immediately after Halloween. So, you know, if Britain adopted Thanksgiving, it would save us a month of sort of nauseating tinsely um, <laughs> over sales promotion Christmas bollocks. Christmas bollocks. Maybe that'll be the title of this episode. Uh, or we'll, oh, we'll, please. Sa oh, we'll, please. Sa we'll save that for later. You know, the Canadians celebrate Thanksgiving in October, Ed, um, trying to have one up on us, uh, which is also a little bit weird um, as far as I'm concerned. But Having said that, the focus is, you know, we, we tend to have these episodes and we pull out our hair and or we set it on fire and we lament and we talk about what's going wrong in the world. But there's a lot of things going right in the world and much that we could be thankful for. Um, and I just I thought we might have a little bit of a chat about it. Uh, I, I wanted to have that chat, you know, in the context of the podcast where you guys have maintained your sense of humor. As Ed knows, I, I tried to put a positive spin on everything uh, a little earlier this week with a, uh, a very short Twitter thread um, in which I said, and I'm going to recount this just for the benefit primarily of Corey, um, in which I recounted that, you know, when you're despairing about all of this, it's useful to remember that um, uh, you know, Caligula was similar to Trump and Caligula, uh, who died in the year 41 AD, uh, uh, was part of a series of bad emperors that led to the fall of the Roman Empire. The fall of the Roman Empire in turn led several hundred years later to the rise of the Frankish Empire, the northern tribe that began to unite. Uh, at the center of that, of course, was Clovis, who was the first Frankish king to unite those tribes. Uh, one of his successors, one of his uh, uh, offspring uh, uh, several generations later was Charlemagne. Charlemagne, of course, expanded the Frankish Empire, which put a lot of pressure, as did demographics and other things, on Norse tribes. And the Norse tribes started to come down, and they invaded England, but they also invaded uh, northern France. And as they came in there, they, they, they established a foothold, which became later Normandy, which draws its attention from this, uh, draws its name from these people from the north. Um, and uh, this was a, a source of growing tension uh, in the region. In fact, Ethelred the Unready, um, who was the king of England. Who can forget Ethelred the Unready? No, you, and you can't really, because, Eth you know, it's, a, it's, by the way, it's one of the great jokes of the late 10th century, because Ethelred actually means the ready. And so 
the 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 Ethelred the Unready is a is a sort of play on his first name. But anyway, he married somebody. Uh, I think her name was Emma of Normandy because he wanted to have reduced this tension. But it also gave English kings a claim on Normandy. Uh, this produced tension, which was resolved by William the Conqueror, who came over in 1066 and said, "We're going to take over." Um, and uh, uh, England, and which in fact they did, uh, and this led to hundreds of years of tension between the British and the French. So when American columnists were pissed off and wanted to go and form their own country, they were able to turn to France and say, look, we're, we're breaking away from Britain by joining us, you'll weaken Britain, and off came Lafayette and, and Rochambeau, and we won, and this great experiment in democracy um, uh, came, you know, 18 centuries after um, Caligula. And, 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 you know, I thought this was hilarious. You know, I thought it was a hilarious, you know, like... You know, it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the things I'm thankful for. I, I was preparing this, is, is, is Rothkopf's Twitter threads. Yeah, well, you do it and dozens of others. But I, you know, I thought, you know, this is pretty funny, if you know, if you have a sense of humor about these things, and I got all these Twitter responses going, well, actually, it was 386 years between Caligula and Clovis, and uh, or what a what a fa fascinating historical insight. Nobody has a sense of humor anymore, so that's why I'm turning to you guys who are invited here <laughs> primarily because you have. <laughs> Just, I mean, to me, that was well. That's okay. it's history. That's, it's a riot. It's a yeah. It is a riot. Literally a riot. Um, <laughs> yeah, literally a riot. Anyway, uh, so that's all. I, I'm thankful, and I'm like, you know, things will get better in 18 centuries, and people are like, oh, that's. I should have just said an asteroid hit the planet tens of millions of years ago <laughs> and wiped out all the dinosaurs, but we're the result. Whoopee, you know. And then, but, what are, you, what are you thankful for, Corey? Oh, you have come to the right place, David, because every it is part of this shocky Thanksgiving tradition for my mother to start laughing so hard she snorts and recounting the Thanksgiving when I was maybe four or five years old. And my dad, who was an airline pilot, was on a trip. So we were having Thanksgiving dinner with another family and they asked me to say what I was thankful for. And my mom had to stop me after about five minutes of being thankful for electricity and thankful for sunshine and thankful for Granimal's clothes where everything matches, et cetera, et cetera. Ed, so, Ed right now is wearing Garanimal's outfit, by the way. <laughs> I loved them. <laughs> Folks, so if I, you want to know how you can, you know, you can have the sparkling tiara of optimism, listen <laughs> carefully. This is how we got. So here are some things I am thankful for. I am thankful for immigrants to the United States who constantly remind us um, that uh, we are a community of values and people choose to be American. And that reinforces 
in me a sense of the value of the American compact. I'm super thankful for those immigrants who were testifying to the House Impeachment Committee uh, the last couple of weeks, reminding us just how much they love their country and our country, which is the same country. I'm grateful for all of the neighborhood policemen who do their job like Patrick Skinner does, caring about their neighbors and building trust and strength in communities across America. I'm thankful for Rotary Clubs who do that great soft power work by supporting scholarships for kids to come to the United States and doing good things all over the world. I am thankful for the number of powers that are outside the control of the United States government because uh, because President Trump would find a way to debase them and use them for narrow political purposes that are bad for institutions. I'm grateful for America's allies who haven't deserted us even though we are not uh, showing our best face of ourselves as a political community or as an ethical society right now. Shall I go on, David? Because I'm just getting, I'm picking up speed. It's No, it's it's really good. Why don't we give the others a chance? Because I know by the time we get to Rosa, she'll be like, I'm thankful for nothing. Um, and, and then you- Thanks and then for you can, nothing. Thanks for, exactly. Before we go on, a moment to talk about one of our sponsoring organizations for which we're very grateful. You've heard about them before, Mova Globes. Uh, we talked about the fact that when I was running foreign policy, we were looking for something great to give the leading global thinkers of this world. And we found these amazing uh, globes that rotate by themselves thanks to the light. And they they symbolize what we were talking about, which was you know, the world, but also they were innovative and clever. And so we gave them out as the awards uh, to those leading global thinkers. Um, and they're very popular, so popular, in fact, with me that there's one sitting here on my desk, uh, a rotating globe of of actually stars in the universe that my wife gave me. Uh, and, I, and I actually have some, some others. I like maps. So, you know, that I got collect maps. So that was kind of a thing for me. Um, but uh, when you take these globes and you put them by ambient light, they turn on their own. They're fantastic. They're available in lots of different designs. I think there are 40 different designs, including world maps and outer space and famous uh, artworks. And uh, they're they're fascinating, you know. They're one of those things that if you have it on your desk, you'll spend a lot of time uh, looking at it. And so uh, I, I think you ought to give it a look. You know, what you can do is you can go to uh, movaglobes.com/deepstate. There's a coupon code there, which is deep state, all one word. Uh, and if you uh, uh, go there and you use the code, you'll get 10% off your purchase. So you go to www.movaglobes.com slash deep state, use the coupon code deep state, um, uh, or if you want more information, go to the, that address, look at it, you'll get to see the different kind of globes that they've got, the famous artworks, Van Gogh or Monet artworks, 
Um, uh, you, you've, you know, I've, I've, I've even heard that, you know, people like Elon Musk have these globes, you know, because they're cool and 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 they're just the kind of thing that I would imagine uh, that he would got. So go to www.movaglobes.com slash deep state, use deep state as your code and get 10% off of your purchase. And we thank them for their support. Uh, and then you can pick right up. But Ed, are you thankful for anything? I, I, well, I've already mentioned your Twitter threads. Um, <laughs> Which is I the top am, of everybody's list out there in deep state land. At, uh, it should be on everyone's list. Uh, I'm, I'm obviously thankful um, for The Crown season three. Um, which, um, you know, I think is extremely well made and has been uh, entertaining me on uh, um, in late insomniac nights uh, last few nights. Do, um, do you actually think it's accurate? I mean, you're British. No, so. not remotely, not right. remotely. And it right. really, it really starts sort of falling apart for me when they sentimentalize the death of uh, uh, of um, Edward, King Edward, former King Edward, um, because he was, you know, he was a sort of world historic jerk. Um um because of his attempted collusion with hitler um but um what what am i more seriously thankful for um all 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 the people around me um you know i'm extremely fortunate in terms of my wife my daughter um my friends my life um uh, we've um variously as i'm sure all of you have had in the last uh uh, in our case, in the last few weeks, had people that we know um, uh, uh, in the prime of their life dying um, of various uh, um, cancers and, and other afflictions. And um, that always underlines to me how constantly thankful you should be for having life and limb, because the, these things can just vanish. Um, I'm, I'm not thankful. I'm not thankful for the political times that we live in. I'm extremely troubled, but I'm thankful that I at least get to write about it and in my own small way um, try and exercise, you know, some judgment and an influence on it, um, probably vanishingly small, but uh, at least I don't feel entirely um, passive in its face. Um, I, I'm thankful for, in the knowledge that eventually we're going to defeat it, um, but that might be premature. Um, and um, I'm thankful for being asked this question because as a non-American, normally, you know, Thanksgiving doesn't come naturally. So um, thank you, David, for asking me what I'm thankful for. <laughs> that's um, sweet. That's, no, it's very, it's, it's, are you going to have like a Thanksgiving dinner? We are. Well, we're invited to friends who are having a, um, a big Thanksgiving dinner. So, yes, but uh, we've also hosted Thanksgiving uh, dinners a couple of times. It's very nice. In which, well, we, which we mandate everybody to wear the Union Jack in some form. <laughs> uh, well, Rosa, this is the moment everybody's been waiting for. <laughs> um, well, I, I guess I'm thankful that, that we haven't descended into mass atrocity. You know, I always like to, <laughs> to remember that. <laughs> That's no, our Rosa! I mean, <laughs> um, but, I, but I'm no, thankful I mean, genocide has not yet happened. Is not your traditional <laughs> Thanksgiving being thankful. Well, it's, it's always worth being thankful for. Um, I mean, I would echo everything that, that Corey and, and Ed have said, um, but maybe just add one more. Um, 
despite all the awfulness, um, I'm really thankful, you know, my Washington has never been a swamp. Um, I have had the misfortune over the course of my 15 or so years in and around the city to meet a few truly loathsome individuals, but by and large, um, I have had the pleasure and privilege, both in government and outside of government, to work with just extraordinary people who are incredibly talented and incredibly dedicated and have enormous integrity and just want to do their jobs and do it well and do it in a way that makes the world a little bit better. And I'm always just kind of stunned and shocked when I see these, you know, obviously the you know, Trump's portrayals of, of civil servants and so on. It's not just civil servants, it's also, you know, journalists and people in the NGO community and so on, um, people in academia, you know, ordinary people who go off and work as nurses or lawyers or plumbers, whatever it may be that they do, you know, that, that I'm reminded every day that most of the people around us are extremely decent people, you know, that they're thoughtful, they're hardworking, and they're just fundamentally decent people. And they're nothing at all like Donald Trump and the people he surrounds himself with. And, and obviously, I suppose psychologists call this projection that you, you project onto others, the, the, uh, attributes that you you fear and loathe in yourself so you know trump looks around and he sees a swamp because his his soul is a swamp um but but i you know my washington is not a swamp it's, it's a place full of a lot of, of good people and i'm reminded of that every day and i'm extraordinarily thankful to feel that i live in a community both you know my my literal physical community my my friends and neighbors uh the, the families of my children's friends and at their school, but, but also in my various, many, my many different overlapping work and professional communities and friendship communities. I'm, I'm extremely thankful to live in communities that feel like good ones to me, like ones that are really worth fighting for uh, because of the people in them. This is very touching. That was and sweet, beautiful, sweet. Rosa. It really was. And, and, and we're not going to let anybody know, you know, Maybe we'll let our subscribers know that you have this side too, Rosa. Could we have a little bit of uh, violin music now, please? Yeah, we'll lay in. No, Rosa, I am not going to let you trivialize that incredibly beautiful, poignant, towering statement. And I'm with Corey on this one. Thanks to our friends at Cash Call Mortgage for making today's show possible. If you're a homeowner, I have some great news for you. If you bought a home more than a year ago, chances are you have equity in your home. And with the help of Cash Call Mortgage, that equity can mean cash in your pocket. If you have an interest rate higher than 2.99%, they may be able to lower your monthly mortgage payment and get you the cash you need for the upcoming holidays to remodel your home or just to keep in your pocket. Cash Call Mortgage is a direct lender and can close your refi in as little as 20 days with no upfront deposit. If you qualify, they'll even pay your closing costs. For a free quote and to see if you qualify, visit cashcallmortgage.com backslash deep state. Again, Go to cashcallmortgage.com backslash deep state. Impact Mortgage Corp, DBA Cash Corp Mortgage, NMLS ID 128231, equal housing lender, not licensed in all states, including New York.
Offer not available in Washington. Now you can pick up where you left off. Okay. And, I, and I'm I thankful for thankful. raincoats on rainy days. I am thankful for a Germany that unified peacefully, that Soviet troops left without uh, firing shots, uh, and that is prosperous and interesting in lots of nice ways, and whose politics is boring in lots of nice ways. Um, that's fantastic. I am thankful for, um, you know, Gaullist French presidents who cause other NATO allies to circle the wagons and talk about how much they want American leadership. I am thankful for an American public that sees President Trump's policies and According to uh, polling by Pew and the Chicago Council on Global Affairs, is tacking in the opposite direction. That is valuing immigrants, valuing allies, um, and thinking that trade is good for the economy and for all of us individually. Uh, I am thankful that in my lifetime, the boring Brexit discussion in Britain has to come to an end at some point. Um, and I am thankful for the separation of powers in the United States, in which uh, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court is going to uh, be the presiding officer in the Senate's impeachment of the President of the United States. I'm thankful in a twisted way that President Trump's corruption and abuse of power is giving all of us a civics lesson and reminding us how much our actual participation in our democracy matters, and so on, David. <laughs> Well, those are good things. That's Ed, a good list. No, it's it's definitely a good list. Ed, do you have any developments in and around the world that you think are good developments that you're thankful for? Sure. Um, the local elections in Hong Kong are, are really good developments. The turnout was double the previous one. The um, sweeping of the board of the pro-democracy forces um, was as emphatic a statement of peacefully exercised Hong Kong um, near unanimous opinion um, about what they believe their, their rights should be. So that's, uh, you know, both at, at once it's a very, very positive signal of the demand for full democracy in uh, places where it doesn't exist, but it's also a, a danger signal because it, it ups the stakes um, um, for Xi Jinping and for China, you know, six, seven weeks before the Taiwan presidential election, which is happening in January. So it's extremely tense um, in that part of the world. But this was a, a really emphatic um, and um, popular um, exercise of democracy um, in the only, at the only level, governmental level, they, they're allowed to do that in Hong Kong, which, um, which is a local level. Um, in terms of um, other parts of the world, uh, you know, I, as, as we've discussed before, there are there are plenty of um, there are, there's a, there's a lot of ferment around, and it's tempting to try to weave it all into one pattern to say this is a global 
revolt against neoliberalism or inequality or for democracy. And I don't think it's that simple. I think there are there are lots of discrete local reasons for why, you know, in Lebanon or in Iraq or in Chile or in Egypt, there is popular ferment. Um, but it is interesting to see the degree to which they share tactics and inspiration um, because of technology. Um, and um, some good might come out of some of these situations. Good. Well, Rosa, what about you? Any place else in the world or or perhaps parts of the American system that you think are working the way they're supposed to? Ooh, can you come back to me? I need to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, seriously, that doesn't mean there aren't any. It just means I need to think about it. <laughs> uh, well, okay. I mean, I can I, I can come back to you. I, I can say uh, that from my perspective, without having given it a heck of a lot of thought, I'm grateful for uh, jurisdictions that are not under the control of Bill Barr that are still pursuing justice in the United States. I'm grateful for Congress people that are standing up and actually uh, seeking to preserve the balance of powers in the United States and who are combating the abuse of power in the United States. I'm very thankful for journalists around the world that we don't often give the right credit. You know, there's a lot of complaint about bad headlines here, here. in the New York Times and so forth, but uh, there's a lot of great coverage, uh, not just Ed Luce, although mostly Ed Luce, but in addition to Ed Luce, there's yeah. a lot of great, great coverage around the world. Um, uh, from Julie Brown at the Miami Herald opening up uh, and preserving the case against Jeffrey Epstein when those in power couldn't do it, to Carol Cadwallader uh, in England, well who, who is, you know, ensuring that we understand uh, how uh, the Russians and others help fix the Brexit election and how that connects to us here. And, you know, those people... Um, in, in all of their various ways, including um, government officials who stand up and speak out, who are whistleblowers, uh, who are uh, willing to speak their minds, as in the case of Navy Secretary Spencer, after uh, the fact, perhaps, but nonetheless, he did so, uh, uh, who are willing to challenge uh, those who are in much greater positions of power are the people who we depend upon whom we depend in times like these, and they are all stepping up. And, you know, we can debate how things are going to turn out in the short term, but in the long run, there, there are reasons that I am uh, pretty thankful at, at, at the moment. Was that enough time, Rosa? I could make up some other stuff. David, the stuff that you uh, made up was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, Corey. Yeah, no, I mean, I was, I... That's good That's stuff, what... David, and 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 I I second it. Um, I I was trying to think of something to say about this country that doesn't doesn't sort of replicate what I already said, um, and um, I couldn't entirely. Um, but but I but I do think um, it probably is worth uh, noting that historically positive changes and reforms, and somebody had an op-ed to this effect in the Times today or yesterday, um, but I can't remember who, so apologies to him if I mangle his argument, um, um, but that, that times of reform and innovation 
and this is sort of a common place in the business world, right, where people love to talk about, you know, disruption and so forth. Um, but this, th- there is some truth to that, that in the, in the political world as well, in the, in the world of institutions, um, you know, the bad news and the good news, um, depending on where you see ourselves along this arc, is that uh, disruption and, and even, even collapse uh, can trigger enormous creativity and innovation uh, you know, in the arts, uh, in the sciences, uh, but also in the world of law and institutions and, and political behavior. Um, and I think we, we, if I, if I'm recalling correctly, the argue, the argument of whoever it was, <laughs> whoever it was in the New York Times, was essentially that if you look at U.S. history, it's gone in cycles of roughly 60 or 70 years, um, where you get a sort of the sense that everything's on the verge of collapse and uh, rising inequality and corruption and so forth. Um, but that, that that has generally presaged a period of political renovation and, and innovation. Um, admittedly, a couple of those disruptions were worse than others, such as the Civil War, um, which per capita remains the, the bloodiest conflict we've ever fought. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think it, it probably it probably is true. And I, I, this has always been my small Trump administration silver lining that this upending of the political order, this upending of, of political norms, um, while devastating and irresponsible in all kinds of ways, um, also opens up some space for intellectual innovation and institutional innovation that I don't think we've had for quite a long time. Um, and I see signs of that. I mean, I see signs of that in the, you know, the staid, boring, so-called foreign policy elite um, which traditionally has not been very good at uh, entertaining the wild and crazy ideas. And I think that's become, as a result, in reaction to Trump, has become a community that has been more willing to say, huh, you know, maybe we do need to think about some wild and crazy ideas because what we were doing wasn't working all that well. So, so, so I, I do think that that's a positive sign that we are seeing a type of intellectual ferment that we haven't seen for, a, for some time. Uh, in American politics and, and policy circles. Um, I, I hope that we don't have to go through anything on the scale of the Civil War before we can get to that reform and rebuilding part uh, of the cycle. Um, but, but certainly it is, it is good to see that Americans and indeed people around the world are doing what, what people do when things start falling apart, which is they start looking at each other and saying, we better get to work coming up with some better ideas because that sure didn't work. So let me ask you the easiest question I've ever asked anybody on this podcast, Corey. One year from now, in November of 2020, what do you hope you will be thankful for? I hope I will be thankful for the American people uh, turning out in very large numbers to repudiate a president who is corroding the institutions, politicizing the professions, uh, and damaging our democracy. That was that was the answer I thought you were going to come up with. Um, that even involved alliteration at the end. It did. No, no. Well, you know, this is a professional, Rosa. What did you What did you expect? Um, uh, you know, Ed. I always like to turn to you for a last word because you always hate giving a last word. Um, and and and, and listeners, tra- don't stop listening. Ed has good last words. You can yeah, stop right. listening this is, this is not the 96% mark. Keep listening. 
Ed? Well, I, I, I'm, I'll obviously be thankful um, for, for season four of The Crown, which will be coming, coming out um, this time next year. Um, I will be thankful for the sharply improved grades of my daughter as she, <laughs> as she enters eighth grade. Um, and I will indeed be thankful for uh, the election of President X, Y, or Z, if you'll pardon my pronunciation, of, of anybody but, but Trump, um, which um, I don't have faith will happen, but I certainly have deep hope will. Jesus Christ. Hey, Rosa, do you want to harass your children on the podcast like Ed is doing? <laughs> Aren't you going to, aren't, don't you have a child that's almost ready for college, Rosa? I do, but she shows sadly, uh, remarkably little interest in listening to our podcast. Wow. Ed, does Mimi listen to the podcast? She's now to my consternation and without my permission, you know, as a 12-year-old, she's now on Twitter. And I tweeted out this picture of this admittedly adorable dog, um, the, uh, a service dog that was on the plane in front of me back from Halifax uh, on Saturday. Um, and it got, it got a lot of likes. It got like sort of 18,000 likes, one of which was from my daughter. And, and then I got harassed by, can we get a dog now, please? Um, so I'm really <laughs> regretting that viral dog tweet. Because my daughter, you asked for that, Ed. You you absolutely asked for that. I totally You're gonna tweet out cute dog pictures. You. We've got two cats, an ex rabbit, a former rabbit, a deceased rabbit, as um, Monty Python might put it. But um, the dog was something I wasn't barking on. Wow, wow. Well, I tell you this: if Trump loses, I'm hugely impressed that with. I'm hugely impressed that you sift through 18,000 likes to figure out your daughter actually likes something of yours. Because I follow her, it pinged up on my phone. Well, all I can say is if she doesn't start following us, there's going to be trouble. Um, she will become a listener. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. And you're, and, and, well, just everybody should listen. All right, look, it's, you know, we're at the end of the episode and everybody's got something to do. Go back to your families, go back to the food, go back to the football game. Um, but remember the uplifting words you've heard here from Corey and from Ed and from Rosa, the things they're thankful for, the things they hope for. Remember that as bad as things get, there's plenty to be thankful for. We're thankful to everybody who listens. <laughs> David, David, I can't help being reminded when you say that. Of a, of a comment uh, of John McCain's, late John McCain's, that was quoted very frequently in Halifax, uh, or rather McQueen. But McCain used to say this, and he could claim it was an old adage of Chairman Mao um, with, with no particular evidence. He said, as Chairman Mao used to say, it's always darkest before it becomes completely black. <laughs> Which is, by the way, in Latin, Rosa's coat of arms. Um, <laughs> or perhaps in the original Chinese. But, um, yeah. Uh, well, you know, that's one, one way to look at it. You can have Rosa's view. You can have Corey's view. Uh, you can have Ed's view, which <laughs> is foggy and clouded with alcohol. Um, but 
We are grateful that you are here for these conversations. We're grateful for the growing family of people who listen to Deep State Radio. We've got a lot of interesting things coming in the year ahead, uh, really interesting, and perhaps a chance for all of us to be together in the same room, or many of us. Uh, and uh, we'll let you know about that in the weeks ahead. Uh, in the meantime, if you want more, go to the DSRnetwork.com. And if you're there, something that we would be thankful for uh, is if you would become a member. It doesn't cost very much, uh, and it is guaranteed to ensure you have a great holiday season. Uh, all you have to do is be a Deep State Radio member, and it just makes your life better. Um, so do that, and join us again next week on Deep State Radio. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving, hey. people. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Bye. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.